So welcome to the Expert Edge. Today I'm interviewing Mark Lack. Now Mark is an expert when it comes to personal branding. Uh, he has built an eight-figure digital uh, and personal branding company that really helps people to articulate, to spread, to create a personal brand and really monetize that brand. And we had a great conversation as a part of this uh, this episode. We dive deep into different ways to uh, generate traffic, what it really means to have a personal brand, how to control your personal brand, why personal brand is the main thing you need to be leading with to connect and to resonate. We talked about uh, we talked about the whole the the process of generating sales. Uh, we went deep into scaling yourself and scaling up beyond six figures, seven figures, even into eight figures, which is what he's done. Uh, it was an amazing interview. I think you're going to gain so much from it. And uh, Mark, you know, Mark says in the interview, he literally charges 25 grand to have a conversation with someone. So you're going to get access to information, content, and ideas from uh, someone who really not only can add significant value in a short amount of time, but someone who truly lives his message. And I always love bringing people on uh, who not only have a great product, but also live a great life. And uh, you will hear Mark, he's about to have a new baby, uh, well, his first baby, uh, and he's just really building an amazing life. And so let's get into the interview today with Mark Lack. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Mark Lack, welcome to the Expert Edge, brother. Good to be here, bro. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, mate, I'm excited to have this conversation. I know that you've built an amazing business, an amazing life. Uh, and I always love bringing people onto the Expert Edge to showcase uh, what I think is what, what, you know, what is possible when you're committed, when you do the learnings, when you invest yeah. in yourself, all that sort of stuff and actually build a, a world um, that, is, that is meaningful. So can you tell the listeners, uh, because probably a lot of them for the first time, they're kind of you know, new to you um, yeah. and, and your world. Tell them like, about your journey getting into this expert business. Yeah. Like, what, where did it start for you? Yeah, I'll keep it short because people, people will care a lot more about, uh, you know, kind of the, the process that's helped me become successful than necessarily like my backstory. So I'll keep it in bullet point format and people can find out more online um, if they want like the deeper backstory. But I'm just a regular guy, um, you know, grew up in a small town in Tustin and um, hated, hated the education system. For whatever reason, I just rebelled against all teachers, all things, um, authority figures. And that of course got me in a lot of trouble as a kid. Um, you know, that's like the definition of a troubled kid. And so I got in a lot of trouble, um, you know, suspended and expelled from school for fighting and for cheating and for mouthing off teachers. Um, parents tried to put me in sports, but I didn't like the rules. So I guess maybe entrepreneurship was always in my blood because I didn't like authority and teachers and rules. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, for me, dude, you know, um, I didn't do well in school. And so I was labeled a failure and we know, we know the power of labels. We live in a crazy world right now where, um, the government, I believe is trying to use labels to divide us and, you know, you're this or you're not this. And, uh, those labels can create a lot of conflict. And so I believe labeling, Although in some, some ways, labeling can be good if you label yourself confident, you label yourself beautiful, and you label yourself positive things. But I think, unfortunately, we're conditioned to label ourselves negatively. Um, and so what, you know, when I was labeled a failure early on as a kid, it didn't, it didn't paint a very bright future for me. And um, usually what happens is there's two things when you have a label. You either attach and associate to the label or you... Um, you have an inner conflict. You're like, everyone says I'm a failure and stupid, but I don't feel that like I'm having an inner conflict because you're saying I'm stupid, but I don't feel stupid. I'm just not passionate about what I'm learning about. But you're saying you need to learn chemistry and history and statistics and algebra, or you're stupid and you won't achieve anything in life. And I felt I didn't, I didn't accept that label. So sometimes you accept the label and then you close inward 
Mm-hmm. And, and then that, that affects you for the rest of your life. And I see a lot of adults who still carry those labels that they had early on in childhood. Cause my background is a lot in psychology, as we were talking about uh, psychology and persuasion and uh, sales and neuro-linguistic programming and understanding the power of language, language and labels and patterns. So for me um, I was like, I, I don't accept those labels of being stupid and being a failure. So um, I went on the internet and I started searching. I'm grateful that we grew up in the internet and I started searching. I was like, how do I become rich so I can prove all these idiots wrong? Good I was question. Like, yeah. I was like, how do I become rich? Um, and if you search that on YouTube and Google, you're going to get answers. Now they're not always going to be the right answers. Um, and they're not always going to be from the right people. And I think that's some discerning that needs to happen is your ability to filter through um, the right information, your ability to filter through the right people. Uh, you're going to resonate with certain individuals. It's not always the message but the messenger who's telling you it that matters. And so, you know, from searching online, I found a lot of BS and I found a lot of good people. Um, you know, people like Tony Robbins, um, obviously a legend, um, some of the old school, you know, think and grow rich and Jim Rohn people and Love Zig, Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and John Asaroff. So many great mentors I could mm. um, attribute to my, you know, you know, relative success at a young age. Um, How old yeah, were you when you started getting into that stuff? I was about 18. Okay. So that's pretty young. Um, yeah, it is. In, it was in the but 18 is the 18 is the age where everybody's starting to tell you like, you're going to be a, uh, you're going to be a truck driver, um, <laughs> a trash man, or you're going to, or you're going to go and be a doctor or a lawyer or a business person or a corporate. And so 18 is around the age, right. Where it was like, I was doing, I was doing even worse in high school and college, which matters even more, right? It didn't matter how much I did in elementary school, but I, I was already bad then. But yeah. now that I'm doing terrible in high school and college, it was like, this is a crossroads. This is your future we're talking about here. You're either going to go, you know, and this was before self-education was a thing. Now, now most kids don't want to go to school because they know that it's stupid and you can learn from amazing mentors on the internet, um, buy their books and courses and their online academies for a fraction of the cost and do it from the safety and comfort of your own home or anywhere in the world you have access to the internet. And so the world's changed, but we're talking 13 years ago, I'm 31 now. So 13 years ago, you know, there wasn't that much of that around, um, the way that there is today. And so, yeah, man, I mean, in a nutshell, um, I just went on the internet. I found great mentors and, 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 and books. Ironically, the dumb kid who hated learning is now, not only somebody who's extremely well-educated and, and, and learns every day, I'm a big advocate of learning. That's how I've become a multimillionaire in my twenties and thirties. Um, but now I'm actually in the education industry. You know, I have a multi-million dollar, I have an eight figure company um, teaching and training, which is so ironic from the dumb, stupid kid in school. Um, and so, yeah, dude, I mean, for me, education changed my life. And I just started to look around and be like, you know, I can make money in a lot of different ways with my skill sets. Um, honestly, selling education is one of the hardest things I could have gone and sold things. People have to buy like insurance. Um, I could have gone and sold things that people are addicted to, uh, weight loss pills, um, supplements. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like I know with my skills, um, if people told me this early on, they're like, you can get so rich if you go and sell insurance or supplements or things that people need or are addicted to, because I'm so, I'm very good at sales and marketing. I could sell things people already naturally need to buy or are addicted to. And I was like, nah, it doesn't resonate with me. I, I want to sell something that changes, that changed my life that I believe mm. in. None of that stuff I don't care about. So I was like, I'm going to get an education. And people were like, you know, that's like the hardest thing to do is like to say, Hey, buy, pay me for my advice. Um, and it's just like, and you kind of get these labels, right? Back mm. to the whole label thing. Oh, you're, you're a scam artist. You're this, you're trying to get people to pay you for advice. I'm like, mm. so I chose the hard route selling education is very difficult. Um, but it changed my life. Education is what saved, saved my life in many ways. Um, cause I was going down the wrong path and had low self-confidence, low self-worth. Um, and so this whole personal development journey is really what I'm referring to it as like self-mastery as Tony Robbins calls mm-hmm. it, the journey, the never ending journey of working on improving oneself. So, um, you know, that's my journey. And in there, I played professional paintball, um, you know, none of the other, none of the other, I've never heard that before, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there was all these other sports and uh, and none of them resonated with me. I still love sports as a metaphor and they're fun, but like pursuing it, I'm an Mm. all in, I'm an all in kind of guy, which has its pros and cons. And so, you know, none of the other sports really resonated with me, but paintball did for some weird reason. And, you know, I, I'm an all in kind of guy. So I took it to the whole, I took it to the top level. 
I was one of the top 10 professional paintball athletes in the world. And I made 300 grand in high school. Um, so I was making six figures in high school playing professional paintball. Um, and I traveled a quarter million miles around the world, Amsterdam, London, Belgium, Germany, Paris, uh, that's crazy. Canada. I've never, I've never heard of that before. That's incredible. Yeah. So I traveled all over the world and I, you know, so, so I had this weird inner conflict where it's like, mm. I'm one of the best people in the world at something, right? Just something. I don't care if it's underwater basket weaving or making biscuits or ping pong or tennis or whatever. I was one of the best in the world at something. I don't think most people ever are the best in the world at anything. Um, and so I was one of the best in the world at something as a teenager. And that gave me the mindset to be like, I can become the best in the world again at something else that actually matters. Mm. And so to talk about your message and what you've kind of come to as a realization in terms of personal branding and that whole philosophy, which I know you kind of lead with, that's like the Trojan horse. Um, talk to us about, your philosophy, because there's a lot of experts who listen to this, like pretty much all coaches, digital course creators, experts, and they're building, you know, building a personal brand business. So I would love to hear your philosophy because I think you've got a really like distinct um, and powerful philosophy just on personal brand. Yeah. I mean, and that's my tribe right there. Your audience that's listening in is like, yeah. my, that's like my, my peeps. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, one of my biggest things is whether it's everyday regular people or whether it's, you know, influencers, thought leaders, celebrities, experts, billionaires who want to build a following, build an audience, or they already have it and they want to be able to serve them at a higher level, create more impact, deeper connection and rapport and trust, and then be able to monetize that through paid content, memberships, uh, courses, coaching, masterminds, retreats, and things of that sort. So love it. and glad that that's your audience and community. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I said yes and happy to jump on here. Um, my whole premise with the personal branding thing is, is really, we were talking about this offline before the camera started recording. Um, I really got into this industry through sales and marketing. Cause remember back to my, my origin story of like, I want to get rich. And like, uh, when you start to search that, one of the things that comes up is get into sales. Um, literally the definition of transactional money is sales. If you can help create sales and make money for a company, you're the most or one mm. of the most valuable people. So on my journey of learning how to become rich, it's all the things were like, get into sales, make money, have unlimited control over your income. Don't be stuck to a desk in a nine to five with a capped income. You have unlimited potential mm. if you get good at sales. So I got really good at sales. And then I started to realize, well, sales means I have to always be working to make money. And I, I started to make money pretty quick. I was making, you know, a quarter million dollars, like first year out of college. And I started to realize I was like, were you working for someone then or you were doing your own thing? I had my own company. And then on the weekends, I was Monday through Friday, I was working on my business. And then Saturday and Sunday, I was going to other people's seminars and selling. If you've ever been to like a seminar and there's guys, yeah. at, the back, guys at the back of the room in suits yeah. selling you. I was one of those guys, but I was, the, oh. I was the best. Um, I was the best. I was so good because I wasn't just a sales guy, but I wanted to be on stage. So mm -hmm. I started, I would tell the people, Hey, get me up on stage. And then I'd go up there and I do a little five, 10 minute riff and teach something and edify the speaker whose event it was. And then that made me stand out from all the other sales guys. Cause I wasn't just a sales guy. Now I got stage time. And mm -hmm. so, you know, my point is I started to recognize early on that, there was a lot of people selling the same stuff, but what really made someone like Tony Robbins stand out besides his pure amazing ability to communicate language patterns in a way that inspire and move and motivate people differently than others, his ability to say the same words in a way that just clicks. Like for me, he was one of my first mentors who changed my life. Same as me. I yeah. started, I love the guy, um, started to recognize early on personal branding and your ability to what I call scale trust and rapport on the internet is clutch. Um, like you want, you, you can make somebody feel like they know who you are without ever meeting you. Mm. And, and if you can do that and you can actually create trust on autopilot at scale, that's one of the most valuable things in the world. Because in my experience in sales, the way that, that you do sales is build rapport. Then you eventually get to build trust and rarely does a high level transaction. Not like, would you like French fries with your cheeseburger? I'm working at McDonald's, but like a high level transaction, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars is usually transacted between individuals when there's trust. 
And so what I've realized on my journey of being really good at sales is say the sale happens when there's trust. Can we agree on that? That sales don't happen when there's not a lack, when there's a lack of trust. Mm. I don't trust you. Here's my money. That, <laughs> oh, that, totally. that, that never and happens. It, and if they do it, then there's dissonance after it anyway. Right, so, like, right. It never and, goes well. And there's refunds and chargebacks totally. and litigation. So the way that transactions take place in the sales process is trust. Mm. And so I started to recognize how does one scale trust? And the way that you do that is through personal branding. And, mm. and so, especially in this world that we live in, where so many small solopreneurs, well, I'll use that word loosely, a solopreneur, somebody who's by themselves trying to start and run a company. A lot of coaches are solopreneurs. I started as yeah. a solopreneur. Yeah. Now I've got, you know, um, employees in, in 1099s and all this stuff. I got a, I got an org chart now, but I remember being a, 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 I remember being a solopreneur and really somebody's only buying from you because of you. They mm. either they either don't like you and trust you, um, or they do, and there's a chance they're going to sign up with you. And I've seen people who suck at sales still get the sale. How do you, mm. if you suck at selling, how do you get the sale? Well, because the person trusts you. You've had lunch with them. You've had coffee with them. You've done things that you just can't do when you're big, right? Like when you're big and you're a multimillionaire, you yeah. just can't go and have lunch or coffee or jump on Zoom calls with every. I used to jump on a Zoom call with everybody who was interested in being a client. I don't talk to anybody now. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I just don't have time. I'm able to get thousands of clients every month and I never have to see or talk to anybody um, because I'm doing what I'm teaching, which is I've digitized myself. Like, you know, whether a hundred people watch this or a million people watch this, it's going to give a little bit of insight into who I am what I can teach, what I can do, and hopefully inspire people. And as we progress in the interview, give some tactical things they can implement. So I've come to realize controlling that perception of who you are. So when somebody looks you up, like I have people all the time, oh my God, they message me. Uh, you, you know, they, they, they're talking to me like they know me, right? Like they know I'm, they know I'm married. They know I, I, I'm in California. They know um, my wife and I are expecting our first baby next month. And these are like critical life events for me. And they know I almost died from sepsis and that almost killed me. Uh, for Dude, two I saw that. Actually, I saw that on your Instagram. That's crazy. crazy, right? And so it's like, I'm sharing big life events, but I'm sharing little things like I'm on vacation and I'm sharing things about like my exercise journey, just little things here and there, just like I would with my best friends or my family. And that's why they love me because they know a little bit or a lot about what's going on in my personal life and my professional life. My family and my wife doesn't love me because I'm a multimillionaire and I'm an expert and I'm super smart at a couple things. That has nothing to do with it. I could be a trash man and they'd still love me. Um, the reason they love me is because of, of my values and what I stand for and how I show up. And you know, you know what I mean? The personal side of me, not the professional side. Yeah. And so the reason your audience is going to love you is because of the personal side, the vulnerable side, the what you're going through side, what you stand for, what you value, what you believe side of you, not the how smart you are side. Mm -hmm. A lot of the smartest people have the smallest followings because they are too intellectually, they, they, rely, they rely too much on their intellect and not enough on their personality and their, their, their emotional vulnerability of authenticity and who they are. And I know I'm just using words, but it's like, those are real things where it's like, the, the fastest way to build trust with somebody is to open up. And if you open up and you get vulnerable, then they feel like they can open up and get vulnerable. And if, if I make you feel like I understand what you're going through, I'm not an expert psychologist, but I'm struggling with the same thing as you. That matters as much or more than being the certified, qualified doctor, psychologist who's world renowned and can help you. But if they don't, if you don't feel like that person understands you and that they don't get what you're going through, then you're not going to care how many accolades and qualifications they have. You want to jump on a Zoom call with someone who gets you, someone who understands you, someone who can be vulnerable with you because you can be vulnerable with them. And so I always like to say your biggest competitive advantage is that people could still relate to you. And, and, and with your personal brand, you have the ability to convey through video, through audio, through written message on social media, YouTube, podcasts, et cetera, blog articles, whatever your, you know, your means of communication is, you have the ability to drop in and to connect with your audience in a way that most celebrity thought leaders and experts can't. The best celebrities, thought leaders, and experts are able to find balance in being vulnerable and still having their audience resonate. But a lot of them have advanced past that now and they don't, they've lost touch 
with reality. They don't, they don't get vulnerable. When you look at a lot of celebrities, social medias, they have it. They post once a month. It's about nonsense. It's just like a random photo of them in a jacket. And it's like got a million likes, but they're not being vulnerable. They're not sharing anything. So a lot of celebrities have already, they're already gone. And so what, what you got to remember is your biggest competitive advantage is that you're not that big yet. It's that you can still relate to your audience and that you still have time for your audience. Let that sink in. You still have time to be there for them and you still have the ability to drop in and relate with them. Because what happens is as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, less of that's going to happen. I'm going to do my best to maintain that. But I also know like as I make more and more and more and more money, I've got enough money now where my money makes me almost more money than I can make myself. And so it's almost like I, I have, I talk to myself all the time. I'm like, do I want, I love doing what I'm doing. So I keep doing this and I jump on podcasts and stuff like this. Cause I love what I'm doing. And if I can just help one person, um, but it's getting to the point where it's like, I'm making enough money or I've made enough money that my money is invested in a mm -hmm. diverse portfolio, especially in the crazy world we live in now, where everything is just skyrocketing. And even mm -hmm. a blind, even a blind person hits a gold, a gold nugget at some totally. point. Um, and the more money you have, the more diversified you can be, the more you can go in. It's like my money makes me more money than I make myself working. And I make good amount of money. You know what I mean? Like millions and millions of dollars is my definition of good money, especially it's all about where you live. I live well below my means. My wife and I are not like buying brand new Ferraris every week. Um, cause we're living below our means and that's the formula for success, right? Live yeah. well, li live well below what you make. Um, my, my point in my rant here is that there's like so much opportunity for everyday regular people to start monetizing an income on the internet. And I believe personal branding is one of the best ways to do that mm -hmm. because back to my whole, my whole spiel on my soapbox is, you know, your biggest competitive advantage is that you have the ability to still relate to somebody, but you have to understand that doing that in your small local town is not enough. If you want to make more money and have more impact, you got to be on the internet. And so do a better job documenting and demonstrating exactly how you're helping people do a better job sharing more content online, because when you start making millions, it becomes harder to document, harder to share, unless you write the check and just have camera people around you. And you really organize your life and your time in a way where it's like every Wednesday, I jump on podcasts. Um, every Tuesday, I film my show. Every Thursday, I work on this. And so, you know, the biggest thing that your audience probably has is they have more time to start creating more content and they have the ability to relate and to be more vulnerable and to be more authentic and share, like share the good and the bad. Um, like I know that if I share something terrible that happened in my life or my business, it's going to do so good. Um, versus if I share that, I just like made another million bucks. Like I'm going to probably get like, if anything, more hate, I'm going to get, I'm going to get like a couple of my, my wealthy buddies that are going to be like, yo, congrats, dude. And then I'm going to get like 80% of people who may not say anything, or they might like, you know, brag or oh, no, I'm sorry. They might hate on me for bragging, um, which is not bragging if you're just like trying to inspire people. So there's a way there's an, there's an elegant and art, um, artful way to share a brag. And I call it a flex sandwich, um, like flexing, but like a flex sandwich. And so you start with, you know, I can remember when I was struggling and it was so bad and I was sleeping on my friend's couch and I was eating top ramen every day. And I never thought, you know, that I would be successful. And I always remember when I would ride my bicycle to work, some guy would drive by in his Ferrari and I always hated that guy. And then I realized, you know what, if I want to be that guy, I can't be hating on that success. If I want success, I can't hate success. And then I started reading books and I found Tony Robbins and all these people. And all of a sudden, boom, before you know it, flash forward 12 years later, here I am posting on Instagram. I bought a new Bentley or a freaking jet or a yacht. And it can happen for you until you go back and tie back mm -hmm. to the audience. So I call it a flex sandwich. Start with the adversity and the story that everyone can relate to in some capacity, then share how you got to the win, the flex, and then tie it back into the viewer and say, so if you're still struggling, if you're still going with adversity, if you're still dealing with this, don't worry. Um, you're just in the, you're just on chapter three, keep going and you're going to find your chapter seven and that's going to be where your abundance lies. And so, you know, there's so many fun ways to play this game on the internet, bro, but I'm going to throw it back to you. I'm ranting at this point. So the, uh, that structure vulnerability, victory viewer. I like that. I call it the flex sandwich, the flex sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. So what's your philosophy on, uh, you know, if, if people, let's say, you know, they're still kind of building their brand, mm -hmm. um, in the earlier stages, what's your philosophy on, just like how many channels they should be on, whether they should be dialing in one channel or a couple of channels. And then also, 
and then also I'd love you to talk about what are the elements of a personal brand as well. So talk about mm-hmm. channels and then elements. Okay. So channels always go where the audience is. And so you don't need to be on everyone. If you know, I remember when everybody was like, you gotta be on clubhouse. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I got like 10,000 followers in the first like week or something. Cause I was on there and I was doing content and like, you know, it's so easy. Cause if, like, if you're really talented and you can communicate in a way that inspires people and also gives them tactical things mm-hmm. that can help them avoid pain, gain pleasure and get the outcomes and achieve the goals they want in their life or business, you're going to be, you're going to stand out. Um, just like in a podcast, right? Like if people can sift through the gold, either of a well-structured monologue or through a rant that I'm providing or anyone's providing, you're going to be like, that person is really good. I'm going to tune into more of their stuff. So on, on clubhouse, you're able to do this live all the time. And I did it. And I was like, got 10,000 subscribers super fast. And then I was like, this is because of the pandemic. I don't think anybody's actually going to be listening to this stuff after a while. Like no one has the time. Like my richest buddies were on there for five hours a day. And I'm like, bro, like, you're not going to be able to do that when you have to get back to reality. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure clubhouse is like, is like much further down than when it was all hot and everyone was talking about it. And now it's like down here again. And that's why I didn't go all in on it because I was like, I don't really care. Um, and I don't have the energy to go all in on a new platform. Yeah. Uh, I think the number one platform everyone has to be on is YouTube. It's a search-based platform. It's owned by Google. It's the only platform in the world where an old video from 2012 can go viral today if it's relevant. So So it's also a search-based platform. So people in real time are searching. I broke my, my pipe under my sink is broken. How do I fix it? And boom, your video comes up that's search-based and it could be from 2012 on how to fix the broken pipe under your sink from a plumber. And it goes viral because it's perfect timing and people need it. Or, you know, holidays are coming up, film a video on like seven things to get your wife or seven things coaches and consultants can do to create a discount and buzz around their offer this time of year, whatever. Right. So it's like YouTube's the best, no question asked. I don't care who you are, what industry you're in. That's my number one regret. I didn't go all in on YouTube sooner. I should have. Um, and again, back to my point, now I've got, now I've got, um, more money than time. And so it becomes difficult for me to really allocate the time to do a YouTube channel, which is an excuse and a story I tell myself, cause I have the money and I can create the time, but it goes back to my point. Had I built it sooner, I'd have already had the momentum and I'd say, oh, that's already a million dollar thing. I need to keep focusing on it versus now it's not a thing. And I have to make it a thing, but everyone who's listening, who's still early, they need to make it a thing. They need to go all in on YouTube. Um, they need to funnel hack all the top channels who've already created all the audiences. So remember somebody already built your audience on YouTube, find that person. They either by searching the name of the leaders in your industry, find them on YouTube, then go to their videos and prioritize their videos with the filter section by top most popular video. And then this person already has made 500 videos or a thousand videos. And if you prioritize their top videos by most popular, they already put out a thousand videos testing the bait. Every video is bait to see how the internet responds. And if they like the bait of the video, you have a, you have a thousand videos to look at, find their top 10 or 20. Those are the first videos you make. They had to do this for years to find those are the best videos people want. You get to go right to their channel. And just find those videos. It almost be like if you were going to open a restaurant, go to the top 10 restaurants around you and ask them, what's your most popular dish? And then just start your own restaurant with all the most popular dishes that everybody likes. And you have a restaurant that's only selling the hottest dishes. Same thing with a YouTube channel. Someone already put the work in, go and literally find their hottest 10 videos. And that's what you start with those 10 videos. Um, And that's just one quick little piece of advice. Go to where your audience is. Don't try to be on every platform. You're better off just getting big on YouTube first and then go get big on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. But again, if your audience is primarily on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you should be there. But Twitter is not enough, in my opinion, to create the deep and meaningful trust and connection. Uh, YouTube YouTube's the best because you get to be on video. It also creates a competitive um, gap because most people suck on camera. Most people are afraid of camera and most people don't have the discipline to get on camera constantly every day, every week, every month, every year. So YouTube has that gap. You can't just post words. You have to get on video Mm -hmm. and you have to be consistent. So YouTube's number one, everyone has to be there. Um, then second would be, where's your audience? I don't care. You have to be on YouTube. Then where's your audience? It's kind of like YouTube is in a separate category. And then there's, then there's the social platforms like you know, Correct. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Correct. It's kind of like YouTube's not a social media platform. It's no, a search-based yeah, search video yeah. platform. It's a search engine yeah. and it's video. It's mm-hmm. the numero uno, number one. 
Um, that's it. That's the only thing. If I could have gone back and started over, I would have, I would have built a YouTube channel out the that's gate. Cool. Yeah. Wait, talk, talk to me about scaling. Talk to me about your philosophy of, because you mentioned quite a few times, you know, you're getting thousands of customers a month and so forth and, yeah. and you're not talking to anyone. Uh, well, I, my recording, <laughs> recordings of me, I have dialed in the perfect way to record myself Yes, in a way that if people watch it, they will buy. So yeah. I have. I, I knew uh, what you. I knew what you meant. Definitely. Right, just for clarity <laughs> for your audience, just for clarity. Like, I how's know. he doing it? You know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. So I use so, webinars and sales teams. So yeah, so talk to me about your philosophy of scaling up. Like, let's say someone at someone's at like a hundred thousand dollars in their coaching business. They've okay. got maybe a digital course just for the year. A hundred thousand for the year. A hundred thousand for the year, okay. right? Like a lot of the listeners are kind of around that hundred thousand. We have obviously a whole scale of people, but let's say they're at about six figures. Um, and they're like, okay, I've got a digital course, I've got some coaching or I've got some training and they, they want to scale up to a million or above that. What's your philosophy of like, of how you recommend people to do that in this world? It's easy. You got to productize your knowledge and your service and the outcomes you can provide. So think of it this way. Um, traffic times conversions equals revenue. So if you're doing a hundred thousand in revenue, I know right off the bat, you have small traffic and small conversions. If you have large traffic and small conversions, that's why you have small revenue. So some influencers have big followers. They don't know how to convert it. So they make small revenue and they hope and pray that sponsors give them money to shout stuff out. And then they might sell like merch because they're stupid. And they, they, see, <laughs> they see other people do that. And they think that's the model um, because they don't know how to convert and they don't know how yeah. to make money. So what we do is we partner with a lot of influencers and celebrities, not little small ones with like a half a million, like I'm talking like five to 20 million followers, massive traffic, don't know how to convert it because they're not business people. They're, they're entertainers, they're entrepreneurs, they're celebrities. They're not business people. They're not marketers. They're not conversions and customer acquisition specialists. And they don't know all the intricacies of running a, you know, 10, 20, $30 million company. Um, and so they have the traffic. They don't know how to convert it. And so they have small revenue in retrospect to what they should have. And so what we'll do is we'll come in and we'll help with the conversion and we'll partner with them and we'll say, uh, Jesus, what it would take me to build an audience of 10 or 20 million people on YouTube. Oh, I wouldn't even try. You already did it. You already have the traffic. I know how to convert it. We can make a lot of revenue. We'll partner with people who have big traffic. We know how to do big conversion and together we make big revenue and we profit. So because I've gotten so good at this model, traffic, conversion, revenue, I find people who already have big traffic because big traffic costs money. Traffic is a commodity. It's money. Yeah. People trade money for traffic. Super Bowl commercial, $5 million, 30 seconds. What? That's because of the traffic. And so people who have big traffic for free on social media, organic traffic. Um, for example, I just partnered with somebody who gets 500 million visitors to their website um, every single year, organically, 500 million people. Um, their conversions are doing, four, I'm sorry, their revenue is 40 million a year. Their traffic's 500 million of visitors. Revenue's 40 million. Their conversions suck, um, even though they're doing 40 million. We think we can double the company. So we partner with them um, on a performance basis, which means all the additional money we bring in, we get a cut of, yep. and it's, it's all tracked in attribution. So my point of how this relates to the 100K person is not only do I now know that it's rather than me trying to get more traffic for my business, that costs money, time, energy, effort, resources. I just find other people to partner with. And so something for your viewers to think about at some point is- hmm. Sometimes it's harder for you to do what you want to do than it is for you to partner with someone who already did what you want to do mm -hmm. and then and then jump in from there and do it together. Does that make sense? Well, I guess like a version of that. And it's not but, exactly I, but I that. do have my answer for yeah. how, to how to increase it. Um, you have to productize it. So mm. what, what they're doing a lot of the times, I remember when I was a 100K coach, I was a coach. Now I'm not a coach. I'm a business owner. And mm. so that's the first thing is to shift, yeah. out of that, shift out of that mindset. I'm a coach. Okay cool. I don't really, I don't really know any coaches who make $10 million a year um, because that's business owners. Um, and then they have coaches underneath them. And so you're not going to become a million dollar coach. And if you are, that's fine. I, I you know, I've been a million dollar coach and consultant. Um, people pay me $25,000 for one single day for me to just talk to them for eight hours, nine to five, um, $25,000. And I don't share that to brag, but to make my point that like, 
if I'm going to do coaching, it's $25,000 for the day. I turn down 90% of the people who even want to do it because I'm just like, I don't vibe with them. I don't know their business. I don't know their business maybe well enough that I'm like confident to take 25 grand. Cause I look at it as a liability. Um, when I find the perfect person and I vibe with them and I want to spend eight hours with them, then I'm like, okay, cool. There's no liability here. I like you. You like me. I know your business better than, than you or anybody. Let's do this. Um, and I just did this with somebody. And I mean, there's times where I'll take somebody from a hundred grand a month to a million dollars a month in 30 days. Um, because I just, I know the model. Um, yeah. So what people need to do is you need to get out of that mindset of I'm not selling my time because there's not enough time to sell. So you'll never scale if your business is around selling your time. That's the first thing. Mm. Um, you cannot scale something that has what's called a, a sales fulfillment bottleneck. Mm. Your, as your sales go up, your fulfillment goes up. And I know I'm weirdly putting my hands down while saying up, but like what happens is, is the more sales I make, the more fulfillment I have. And at some point they collide like a, re a, like a restaurant. It can only have max capacity or a movie theater can only have max capacity or a gym can only have max capacity, terrible businesses because they have a sales fulfillment bottleneck. They have a max capacity. I could do a hundred million dollars this year and nothing in my business would change because my business is like Netflix. We sell a digital product that's massive scalable to the whole world. And if a thousand people sign up today, the only thing that's going to change is my bank account. My employees won't have more work. My business won't have more work. It's all digital. And so what I did was I went from being somebody who sold my time and I kept charging more money for my time. And I was like, this is great. I'm making all this money. And then I was like, but if I go on vacation, the money stops. If I, if I get sick, the money stops. So, um, I realized I needed to digitize and productize my knowledge. People are willing to pay me five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand, or a hundred grand. I bet they'd be willing to pay me 500 bucks um, for so much more of me. So think about this. I charge $25,000 for one day just to do a VIP day with me, but I hate doing those because it's a whole day of my time. I'm exhausted afterwards. I have to put in time beforehand to prep and go through a whole questionnaire with you. Um, and then if, you know, whatever, um, I love, I'd rather make 25 grand selling my courses and know that I don't have to do anything. And I also help more people in the process. Mm -hmm. And so the model is if someone's willing to pay you a bunch of money to talk to you, then digitize it in a format where they still get to talk to you, but it's group coaching instead of one-to-one -one, it's one-to-many. And so the first thing is, is you, you create a course, then you create a community and then you still create coaching. I call it the three C's. So it's community, course, coaching. They get a community of people. Then they get a course where they get all the trainings they need so that you stop repeating yourself. I do not like to have to repeat myself. Um, like somebody says, you know, well, how do I get started with my personal brand? How do I develop it? How do I launch it? How do I monetize it? How do I scale it? I'm like, oh God, one-on-one, -on -one, I would repeat myself all the time. And I was like, you have the same question as Susan and Jim and Cheryl. So I realized everyone has the same question. Let me just record it once. And then in the community, you guys can connect. And then on the coaching, I do weekly live Zoom calls. So I could jump on Zoom like this with 50 people or 500 people. And I'll look at your website, your funnels, your ads, and I'll answer your questions. Because guess what? Everybody's pretty much dealing with the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's the secret is stop doing one-to-one, -one, do one-to-many, and start enrolling people in courses. And then on the back, you can upsell them into a higher ticket mastermind or a retreat or a workshop or a one-on-one -on -one or office hours or a VIP day or some upsell. But now your business is, is um, it's, it's mono-focused. You wanna have just one single thing you're focused on. I'm not focused on- When you on say one single thing, do you mean one just the single course. message? Or no, yeah. just the course. Because I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they like multiple focuses. Right. They're trying to do a, a, a book, a phone call funnel for their totally. high ticket offer. They're trying to do a course offer. They're trying to write a book. They're trying to do a podcast. They're trying to mm -hmm. do a retreat next month. They're trying to do an online virtual summit. They're trying to do a challenge. They're yeah. trying to do a PDF. They're trying to do a, a quiz funnel. Mm -hmm. They're trying to do all these things. And so the secret is, like for me, my business got so simplified. It just, it's just get traffic to register for a webinar, watch my webinar, buy my course, get my community, my course and my weekly coaching and you get it for life. And then, and then because I just do that, 
I have so much traffic flowing in and signing up that whenever I want to sell a mastermind or something like that, it's, it's, it's in the community. I don't need to build this Mm -hmm. advertising funnel campaign. I mean, we'll still do it because right. But it's like all the clients signed up from in the Mm -hmm. community, the course, the, the weekly coaching, you get a better quality person anyway, in, especially at a high level, because they understand you. Right. Right. So that's the model is you got to stop trading Mm one-on-one and go Mm -hmm. one-to-many. And the best way to do that in my experience is to do, is to do a course. But again, it has a community, a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. It has trainings where they log in and like Kajabi or ClickFunnels yep. or Membirium or LearnDash. Um, and then there's coaching. So I do weekly live Zoom calls, which is what I suggest for every coach or consultant because otherwise you're just a commodity. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if all it is, is my ability to go and watch videos, most people don't log in. Most mm-hmm. people don't finish them. So the way that you get high success rates, high referral rates, you know, and the feed, I call it the feedback loop is you do weekly coaching. So it's like, it's like, um, hey, Jim, did you actually watch module 17? Okay, go watch it. And then Jim's like, okay, the course really is valuable. Um, and then I'm able to not waste my time answering Jim's question because it's module 17. And then when there's real questions, I go, you know what? That's really good. I should film a video on that and put it in the training. So mm-hmm. the, we- the weekly coaching is a feedback loop for me to know where there's gaps in the course. Yeah. And then all the time. Yeah. Right. And then I also Mm -hmm. bring on guest experts. So there's, um, there's the variety. If you don't understand Tony Robbins, Mm -hmm. six human needs, Mm -hmm. variety is one of them. People need that. The, 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 the the different flavor, the spice of life is variety. And so every other week you can learn from another expert and trainer, similar to your podcast, you're always having new guests on. So Mm -hmm. every time they're learning from new experts and then those experts can become friends, colleagues, partners, and affiliates. And you guys promote each other. Um, so it just becomes this inner web of like success and it's a great way for you to help other people's communities and them to help your community and then promote each other. And so, the, and there's only three ways to get traffic, remember traffic, conversion, revenue, the conversion needs to be so focused, register for a webinar, watch a webinar, buy, that's the conversion framework, three simple steps. Um, the traffic, there's only three ways to get traffic, buy it, paid advertising, borrow it, affiliates, joint ventures, host beneficiaries, um, people promoting you basically who already have your database. And I can talk about all the different ways to broker lists and get anybody in the world to promote you pretty much. Um, and then the last one is organic traffic. It happens through search, like on YouTube, people find you. I found you. I was just searching for lower back pain and I saw your video on YouTube and then I went to your website and I bought your thing. Um, so buy it, borrow it, create it organically. Those are the three ways to get traffic. I suggest doing all three, but creating it organically is, is like, um, is like praying to the gods. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's harder to track. It's harder to scale. It's harder to control. I know if I pray to God enough, I'm sure I'll manifest what I want, but it won't be on the time that I want, right? God has his own schedule. And so buying traffic I can do right now. I can drop a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads or YouTube ads, and I can track and create attribution. So buying it is critical. It's one of the fastest ways to control the growth. Borrowing it is amazing because it offsets, Mm. um, it offsets the risk. I don't have to pay Facebook a hundred grand and hope that I make my money back um, myself or through an agency or whatever. Instead, I can defer the risk um, or diminish the risk with an affiliate and say, you promote me and then there's no risk. Any money that's generated, we come up with a percentage profit profit share. Mm. Um, So I love borrowing it through affiliates and joint ventures. And I love buying it because those are the two ways I can control it. Um, creating it is harder, but creating it is important too, so that you're on the interwebs with thousands of videos, people can find you and discover you. And, um, when they look you up, they go, Oh, there's Mark. He's got a thousand videos on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, and he's got a great website and all this other stuff. And this podcast is, is organic creation. People will hear it. Uh, they'll find out about me. So love it. Buy it, borrow it, create it. Dude, I love that that um that funnel you're talking about so for people uh i'm sure people have got tons of uh inspiring ideas and concepts and so forth from our conversation so far uh if they want to learn more about you um do some free trainings or you know check out what you do yeah where would you recommend them to go to connect with you yeah so we've got a ton of free trainings and resources and i have a tv show on amazon prime and airplanes um, called business rock stars and people can go and check that out at shortenthegap.com or they can go to businessrockstars.com if they want to watch my show. Um, but shortenthegap.com is where I have all of our trainings and, um, and free resources and things like that. And they can follow me on social media if they want. Love that. One last question is, imagine it's the end of your life right now. 
and people are standing around talking about Mark. Mm-hmm. Your wife's there, your kids are there, your clients are there, uh, and they're reflecting on your life and your contribution. Mm-hmm. What would what would be your hope that they would whisper about you, that they would yeah. say about you? I've thought about this many times. Um, I just want to inspire people to to play full out, to live their best life, to remember what matters most, um, and then just to 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 be themselves unapologetically. Um, that's something I keep trying to lean more into is just to be yourself unapologetically and um, to always be improving, always be working on yourself. Like, you know, you're never going to be perfect. Uh, you're definitely never going to be perfect in the eyes of everybody. So, you know, always be working to improve and get a little bit better, get a little bit better in all areas of your life. You know, don't just become so obsessed with fitness or money or this um, that you lose sight of it's a little life is about balance or integration and integration between relationships and health and business. And like, it's an integration and and a balance. And so I want people to say, you know, he inspired me to, to, to be myself. He inspired and that by being myself, I could find the right people. I could find the right job, the right career. Um, so many times we think we have to be someone or be something to find the right people or to make the right money or to have the right career. And so I want to inspire people that, you can be, you can, you can just be you. And if you do it uh, and you always are trying to get better and you're always trying to get better, people are going to love you. You're going to find your tribe and your community. And so if, if, if I die, cause I've had my, I've had my near death moment where I almost died in the <laughs> hospital. Um, so I had plenty of time to think about this. Um, and that was basically God's messages. I'm not done on this planet. I've got more time to inspire and to, to impact people. And um, I used to try to do it in a very robotic professional, like I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who doesn't make mistakes and everyone should listen to me. Um, and now I've realized like, no, that's not what people want. They want, they want to follow somebody who's like, I'm, I'm failing and I am making mistakes, but I'm being myself. I'm here to inspire people. I'm here to show the good. I'm here to show the bad. Um, and just to never give up, you know, that's like a cliche thing, but like never give up on your dreams. There's a lot of times where, you know, I feel like, I've already got enough money. I don't need to keep jumping on camera and talking to people and inspiring people. But then I get that message and I get that message from somebody and it's like, bro, you know, you just changed my life or it was so inspiring. Like you just, you just helped me take more action or, um, you know, you saved my life in some cases, right? Like, um, some people are in, some people are in tough, tough adversity right now. And I get that. Um, so yeah, brother, you know, if I can help inspire people to be the, be, to be more, to have more and to give more, that's kind of my, my most like, simple way to summarize it. Mark, Mark inspired me to be more of a better version of myself, to be able to give more and play more out and contribute more. And whether it's contributing money, contributing time, contributing a smile, that's why I love to do this. Cause giving and con- this is my way of giving and contributing. If I can inspire people and then have more, right? Like be more, have more, I'm sorry, be more, give more, have more. You, but most people in life try to do it in reverse. They try to have more. I want to have more of this. I want to have more of that. And I've come to realize that you'll have everything you literally want, everything you want. If you become the person who naturally has those things and like, you know, you want to have a six pack, be the guy who just naturally goes to the gym and eats healthy. Cause then you, the six packs, the byproduct, right? So having everything, you want to have more money, be the guy or the gal who always reads books and surrounds himself with great people. And then here's the next one, give. You know, Jim Rohn says, you'll have everything you want if you first help everyone else get what they want first. Um, and so, you know, if you give more and you contribute more and you're always thinking, how do I help this person get a win right now? How do I help this person get what they want? Usually it comes back to you. And it usually, I mean, the Bible or whatever you believe in it comes back to you even more than you gave. And, you, you know, what you give comes back twice. And so, you know, that's kind of my mantra. Um, be more, have more, give more. Um, I said, I said it in the wrong order again, be more, give more, have more, Um, but you get the point. So that's my thing. I try to live by that every day. Don't try to beat yourself up and try to be a millionaire overnight. I think a lot of coaches, consultants, and just people in general, when they get into this industry, they, I'm going to be a millionaire next year. I did that. I did that. I was like, I'm gonna make a million this first year and then five million and 10 million. None of that happened, by the way. Um, It took me like five or six years to make my first million, um, which sounds funny saying it out loud. Right. Cause it's like, most people never make a million in general, but like it took me, I think five, five or six years. I was 27 when I made um, my first seven figure year. Yeah. Um, 
but, but I remember I thought I was going to do it in the first year. And I was so, I was so let down that I didn't even come close. Um, and so I think for most people to just remember, like, it's not about how much you make or how fast you make it, you will make it. And that's all that matters. Like I know any goal I set my mind to, I will achieve. It just might not be in the time frame that I set it. And so I stopped putting pressure around goals with time frames, And instead I started putting um, focus and emphasis on the habits and the, the process that's needed to achieve the goal. Because when you, when you put most people, they have goal setting mixed up. They think goal setting is what do I want to achieve? And when do I want to achieve it? Um, goal setting for me is what do I want to achieve and what's the process and the journey that I have to fall in love with. And if I just follow the process and the journey long enough, I'll achieve the thing. So it's less about the time frame, and it's more about falling in love with the process and the journey that I know I need to do again and again and again and again until I achieve the thing. And then the time frame takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and then I don't have the pressure of the pressure of having to achieve it in this time frame and not feeling worthy and not feeling smart and not feeling good enough because I didn't do it this year. I didn't do it in two years. I'm, I'm so, oh, and you know, John did it in one year. I should have done it. I'm, I'm not smart. I'm stupid. And so that's kind of my last rant for everybody here is just kind of like, you know, set your goals and then figure out who do you need to become? How can you contribute beyond yourself? And um, fall in love with the process and the journey and you'll have everything you've ever wanted. It just, it's, it's a beautiful, life's beautiful. It's a fun game. It's a journey. It's not a marathon. Uh, and if you just stick to the falling in love with the process and the journey, you'll achieve everything that you've ever wanted. Mark, it's been a pleasure having this conversation. Appreciate uh, you, bro. You know, you, you really are a representation of that, what you shared about um, being authentically you, unapolog- unapologetically you. <laughs> And I can see that you've really stepped into that, um, you know, over the last season of your life. And so I'm excited about where, where it's all unfolding. Uh, Thanks, I'm excited buddy. for you having a new baby soon. Yes. And uh, guys, if anyone, I trust you guys have gained value from this. Uh, tag us on Instagram in your stories. Uh, Mark Lack, L-A-C-K. Uh, and myself, Colin Boyd, tag us in stories. Love to hear what you got out of it. And uh, leave us a review if you found this valuable as well. Bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.